0: Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. In this episode, you will hear part one of my conversation with Michael Yarbrough from John Jay College of Criminal Justice. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Well, welcome. Uh, Michael Yabro, for joining us today at Digication Scholars Conversations. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. So, Michael, uh, you are the pro- a prof- Associate Professor in the Political Science Department at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, where you teach in the Law and Society major. In 2019, you were recognized by the CUNY Academy of Humanities and Sciences as one of CUNY's outstanding assistant professors. You hold a BA in Sociology from the University of Chicago and a JD and a PhD in Sociology from Yale. You really have loved um, school, right?
1: (laughs) I I still haven't left,
0: (laughs) and you still haven't left. Exactly, you (laughs) you are you are a lifelong educator um, by all measures. Now, I I came to know you um, actually through social media. Um, It was um, uh, it was your COVID nineteen at CUNY class project that you and your students published um, that ultimately had garnered thousands of views on Digication and over a thousand likes and hundreds of retweets on Twitter. Um, and I think that it probably had a, a lot more in other social media channels as well that we're not mentioning. Um it's pretty amazing. This is th- that's how I came to learn about your work, and and um, and Susanna Morales, who's the director of the Diversity Center of Excellence at the Center for Health Equity at Cornell University, she tweeted, "Very moving work from John J. Uh, CUNY undergrads who journaled during the COVID nineteen peak in." NYC, Um, And and then uh, Angela Jones, who is one of your colleagues, I believe, Mm -hmm. who's the Associate Professor of Sociology at Farmingdale State College, also a writer and activist, tweeted, CUNY was the most affected university in the country this spring. And with the guidance of their fantastic professor, Michael Yarbrough, this student-created website does a beautiful job of putting a face on that impact. So first, I want to just congratulate you on this incredible work that you're doing with your students as they find their voices and as they um, express who they are. Um, New York City has become, or was, during the spring semester, the epicenter Of COVID-19 and what you know what was that experience like and for you um, you know I would love to just maybe dive back into you know putting yourself back in as Mm -hmm. as a professor teaching a class Mm -hmm. that came about what happened next?
1: it's a hard time to think back into because it was a very difficult time um, in ways that I'm afraid are going to become a reality for many people across the country in coming weeks. Um, You know, as COVID started to spread uh, around the world, first in China and then in Europe, um, I and some of my colleagues you know, saw this coming and did start to prepare my students for the possibility of having to, to change our mode of instruction and what we were doing um, in our class. Um, and the, the class I was teaching this fall was a capstone class. So these were graduating seniors who were doing individual research projects in, in our major, which is called Law and Society. Um, and they had already started to develop research questions and go into the secondary literature on their various questions. Um, And we're starting to design their projects. Um, And so around about early March, we had a conversation in class talking about, you know, this might be coming. How would we change our work if it did? And at that time, most of the students, I think, being young and uh, not very um, tuned into these kinds of risks, didn't really understand why we were having the conversation in class and thought probably it wasn't going to be much of a big deal and it would be kind of a, a temporary blip. Um, So we did make plans for how we would sort of transition that work on individual projects, but to an offline format if the call came to to move all our classes online. Um, And then very rapidly, things started to pick up in New York and across the US. And so there was, as I'm sure you all recall, a kind of rapid succession of decisions to shut down. various institutions, including higher ed institutions and move online. And so that happened in New York. Um, And for about the first week, we were still planning to stick with the plans we had when I had that classroom talk. Um, But it became very clear, very quickly that the impact was going to be too big for that to be manageable, for me to really oversee 25 individual senior theses remotely. Um, was gonna be really hard um, for a couple of reasons. I mean, I think many of my students very quickly had lots of challenges in their own lives. They started to lose jobs. Some of them started to work a lot more, um, which I think is another part of the experience that sometimes has fallen out of the public narratives that some people actually started working a lot um, because of um, the impact of the pandemic on grocery stores and things like this. Uh, many of them had family members who were getting sick and so forth. Um, I also got sick early on. Um, it never became clear whether I was sick with COVID or not. I never received a positive test because this was during the time period when you couldn't access testing and so forth. But I got very sick um, and was worried about my own ability to um, to really do that level of oversight um, that had been planned before.
2: Monica Guzman Reyes, a student in Michael's class, also described this time as full of uncertainty and for some of her peers, trauma and grief.
3: Honestly, the biggest thing I remember and the hardest thing I remember is then when people started talking about um, personal issues with their families and um, when people were passing, that was that was huge. When staff members and and professors were passing from our CUNY community, that was that was impactful. Uh, it wasn't something that we were all prepared for. Nobody taught us any guidance on this. And when we did have questions, there was so much uncertainty within even the political sphere, you know, educational sphere, health sphere. That like who who do you turn for answers? It was just something that we we kind of just had to deal with.
1: So on the one hand, it became sort of logistically clear that some other approach was gonna be needed for this class to, to really work for the remainder of the semester. Um, and at the same time, I really felt that a, a crisis like this is what higher education is for, um, you know, to help students, think through the implications of everything that they were experiencing um, seemed to become my most important job. Um, for me, what higher education is really about is the conditions of human existence. You know, how how do we live together as human beings um, in our communities, in our nation, on the planet? Um, and COVID-19 really made clear, I think, in a very profound way that many people felt, you know, in their own bodies about how interconnected we all are with each other, how much we depend on each other, and how fragile um, we all are. And so to me, it became a moment when the the learning outcomes of the class that were sort of written on paper with the outcomes assessment and so forth. <laughs> that was not as important and was not the most valuable experience I could provide, um, you know, try to foster for my students during that time period. Um, but instead to have a space where they could process what they were experiencing and see the larger lessons that lied for, you know, our, our country and our world in the individual experiences that each of our students were having at that time. Um, so I proposed to them over email, um, that we might switch the class to a group project researching their experiences um, with the pandemic and the quarantine um, over the the remainder of the semester. Um, And I thought this would be particularly interesting because I I teach um, at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, as you said, which is part of the CUNY system, the public university system in New York City. Um, And the nature of John Jay is that we actually pull students from throughout the metropolitan New York City region. So I had students living on Staten Island and in Queens and in Yonkers and the Bronx from really all over the place. Um, And John Jay is also a very diverse institution um, with Latinx students, black students, Asian students, um, white students, uh, immigrants and so forth. So I knew that within this one class, we would actually get a wide range of experiences that, that folks were having as well. So I proposed this to the students and overwhelmingly students wanted to move in this direction. They were already overwhelmed trying to, you know, juggle five, six classes that they hadn't been intending to take online.
2: Monica talked about this sudden shift as well.
3: We had already begun, um, the initial steps to do our individual projects for the, that we make like our thesis on for the end of the year. Um, and when when we got the communication from the school saying that you know we did have one COVID case from a student in the school and that we would be closing for the rest of the week until they could figure out what was happening. And then later on, they said we were going fully virtual. It kind of changed the dynamic of the class, I would say. And I think most of us were nervous because it was something that we weren't expecting. And and it's not something that we any of us wanted. So when Professor Yarborough then emailed the entire class and said, I have an idea. Let me know what you think about it. And then I read the email and I was thinking about it. I was like, that would be something I think impactful for not only the class, but ourselves um, to finish our school year in this way. Um, because obviously, it was something that none of us were prepared for. And we were kind of all of my classes, for example, were a disaster. I mean, some cl- like classes were more put together, professors were prepared for to have a backup plan. And others were sort of trying to figure it out as they went along, which is what happens in these circumstances. So when he did go ahead and, and say, um, I think we should do this as a class project and just take this time to actually see what we're going through, um, I thought it was a great idea and I, I was so for it. And I think the majority of the class enjoyed doing this project.
1: Um, and so we moved to this format. And the, the way that I started it was to actually start a WhatsApp group chat. Um, with every student's permission that, we, that they all joined. And this became a place where they would record diaries of their ongoing experiences through the remaining weeks of the semester. Some were audio, some were video, some preferred to write their diaries. Um, uh, but they just recorded some of the things they were going through. Um, I asked them to take note of things they were worried about, things they were hopeful about, um, something that uh, went wrong for them that day and what might've fixed it and so forth. Um, and that was sort of the first place we started to gather our data for what the eventual project would be. Um, and then as time went on, we formed, uh, into work groups on different themes that the students selected as kind of what were most important to them from anxiety to healthcare, to work. Um, And then those groups formed, um, created interview questions, and then the interview questions were all combined together, and each student administered the interview questionnaire to some people in their own lives and their families and their neighborhoods and so forth. And that became a second source of data um, that we used uh, over the course of the semester. Um, And so it ended up working far better than I expected. Um, It became this really beautiful space in the group chat of not only sharing diaries, it wasn't just research and data, but that that, that exact same um, data was also a form of social support that students were offering each other because they um, could see that many of the things they were going through were not unique and they weren't going through alone and they were seeing similar things in their, in their classmates' stories. Um, So it sort of developed from there into this really, I think, beautiful project that had both academic value, but also had this really important um, support value for them.
2: Jeff Yan and Sally Olivo, another student in the class, spoke about the emotional support that came out of this project.
0: Were there some aspects of that classroom community that you... um, that you think is most most valuable to you coming out of a, a special class like this.
3: The way that we were that we all supported each other when somebody said, "Oh, I got infected with the virus, with coronavirus," we were all there to support them and be like, "We feel better. We you we got you." Like...
2: Monica, too, felt the value of the support students gained through this project.
3: I remember even one time, Ileana, I think, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right at this moment, because I honestly, it's been so long, but I remember she sent us like this huge puzzle thing that she had made with, I think, I don't know if it was by herself or with her family, but it was like so vibrant and so colorful. And it just, it reminded me of how like beautiful life is and how you have to cherish it, all the moments, all the bad, all the good, but in this group chat, it was, it was so important. And we created this space where it was like, there was so much support because of the fact that you didn't have to be in a classroom to build a relationship with somebody. And we were all going through this at the exact same time, but at the same time, we were all living different experiences of the same version in this time. And I know, well, from our class, there was people who had to be a little bit isolated because they had, you know, um, health workers or, you know, Um, essential workers that were still working at the time were being exposed daily to the virus. And I remember that being one of the hardest things for certain people. And then we had other families who at the time had lost their jobs. So that was a burden that they were experiencing. And that's what they talked about. And then there was somebody else who would then comment and bring like a funny video or, you know, something optimistic to look forward to. And it just, it just created this space where it was like, you know, it was just not just a classroom anymore. It was like, we were all friends. We were all family and we were all seniors. We are all attending John Jay. um, And we were all in this course, but we also were were experiencing and, and talking about our experiences between students sometimes. It's usually more like joking or like talking about school or talking about stuff out of school. In this situation, when the quarantine hit, and I guess we were all isolated from our classroom. It kind of like brought a different relationship out because of the reason that we were all going through this at the same time and wanted to talk to somebody who understood you in a different, in this different sense.
1: Um, And that's the thing that I'm happiest about from, from the semester because it it was really hard. Uh spring in New York was really really tough. It was a really traumatic time. Uh constant sirens outside, just ambulance sirens all the time and and you know death uh was close to many people and and so it was very very stressful and so it became a the class became a place we all came to to alleviate some of what we were experiencing in the in the outside world.
0: Yeah. I remember clearly some of those images of probably the, the one that I, I have the hardest time shaking was when they had the body bags being Mm. transported into these refrigerated trucks because they don't have space for them. It was, um, it, what a, what a time, um, you know, for humanity. I mean, for, like you said, you know, as, as higher education, um, you know the the, the value of higher education you know this is a time that you can step up and and try mm. to try to support them and and create um create next generation leaders mm. to to have the ability to to have the the know-how to deal with things like this right which i think you've done exactly there mm. so there's a there is a Something that I thought was really interesting, you as a professor, so first of all, you went and sort of proposed something to the students. I even find that language really beautiful. You proposed mm. to the students, hey, why don't we do something different? And you mm. got, almost kind of got their support or got their permission to do so. Mm. Um, uh I think at that point, I'm sure that the students are also, like you said, they're juggling with a lot already. But having a professor who's able to sort of spend that that time and the energy to help support the entire class, uh, like so, like you said, is the social support for each other as well. Must be must be important uh, for them.
1: I, I hope so. I. I hope it was, and many of them said it was. You know, the the reason I wanted to propose it to them, then rather than just say this is the change that we're making, is that, you know, there's a, a couple reasons. It's a general part of my teaching philosophy, right? I see students as partners in learning, not as vessels I'm trying to kind of unload knowledge into. Um, you know, I facilitate the class, I I don't run it. Um and and that's something that's true in in all times for me. During this particular time, I thought it was especially important because it was literal trauma that students were experiencing, not even as just metaphor, but they were literally going through a traumatic time. And you know, I think to ask students to to sit in that trauma in terms of the, what they're doing in class is something that that they needed to decide for themselves. You know. There, One can imagine versions of this kind of exercise that actually might make students more stressed out than less, right? If they're having to kind of return to, to, to traumatic experiences they've had. So I wanted to make sure I gave them the options of, of, of making the choice. Um, and like I said, many of them did choose to, to go this route. And in the end, I think it was beneficial for, for all of us, including me. It was to help with my own trauma to have their support as well.
0: Well I'm glad that you are you clearly had survived it and yes. <laughs> uh, uh it's um and maybe one of these days you will find out you know if there was such you know in a good enough antibody test or something <laughs> <laughs> um so I I'm I'm really excited to I was really excited to hear about what you said about this is just you're teaching your you're teaching philosophy um anyway, because I feel like that that's how I think about education as well. And I bet you that many of our audiences has the similar sort of mm. feelings. Mm. Um, you want to share a little bit, sort of just thinking back to your own past. I mean, you've been in school for many years. Um what what shaped that philosophy? What what made you you know, think the way that you do as a professor, as a facilitator to your students?
1: Mm. Um, you know, it, it was a journey, I think, to that way of thinking for me. I, myself, um, am a first-generation college student. I come from a working-class family. I grew up in a trailer park in rural West Texas. Um, and for that reason, I arrived at University of Chicago, where I did my bachelor's degree Um without a, a lot of really grounded understanding about what college is and how it works and and you know what the higher education more generally is about um, you know I was a nerd I was a very driven student but I didn't have a lot of what they now call the sort of um, the hidden curriculum of college the the knowledge about like what is a syllabus and you know how do you choose classes and what is a major really and and um what? Why should you choose this major versus that one? And all these kinds of questions were things that were a little opaque to me. I had a lot of experiences in in college of feeling like everyone else was speaking a language that I'd heard on TV a lot, but that I hadn't never spoken myself. You know that kind of thing where yeah. it was just beyond my grasp, um, and I felt. I'm you know, fortunate that I was able ultimately to kind of maneuver my way to being able to navigate that landscape better but it was a journey you know I I, um, I went to college for two years and then I actually dropped out for four years um, for a range of reasons, um, having to do with financial ability but also my preparedness for college coming from a working class background um, and also because I I am gay and I came out, um, during college, and that caused friction in my family, and so I had to leave for a while for that reason as well. Um, and eventually, you know, I, all of that got better, and I went back to school. My family and I are better; are on good terms now, and everything. And and I went to graduate school, um, and continued having more of these experiences in graduate school, but with a bit of a different frame of mind, having kind of understood what it took for me to now speak that language fluently rather than just listen to it on TV. Um, And came to understand my relationship to higher education and and the whole industry differently because of that. You know, I don't think I went into college understanding that the experience I had as a working class student was unique and gave me certain insights into how to be an educator that I might not have had without that background. and then uh, when I was ready to start leaving graduate school and looking for a, a, a permanent job, I ended up teaching at CUNY, first as an adjunct, and then I got hired into my current position. Um, and I have to say, I went into the, to this to become a researcher. That was really my main goal and getting a PhD and so forth, the, the scholarship side of things. But the second I arrived in a CUNY classroom, I just came alive. I was This is where I was meant to be. Um, I really related to the students to a degree I didn't anticipate. And I think part of this is my the working class background that I actually um, had some more similar experiences to them than I expected or than many of them expected um, from, you know, because most of their professors are not from that kind of background as well.
2: This concludes part one of our conversation with Michael Yarbrough from John Jay College of Criminal Justice. Join us next week for part two to hear Michael share more about the experiences of his students during the pandemic. Be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Avanisius and Jessica Chittle. Thanks for listening.